Good morning, Adventure family, viewers new to the Adventure experience. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. And uh, throughout today's message, uh, I'll give you pause to laugh. I know that you'll be laughing uncontrollably during my message, and I want to honor that time for you. Uh, Seriously, we've come together today on a very significant Sunday uh, in the year of our Lord, 2020, March 15th. The President of the United States has declared today as a national day of prayer, and it, that, that's a great decision that he's made. And so we're praying for all of our federal, state, and city leaders that God will give them wisdom to make great decisions, and that God will give great wisdom to all of the leaders in churches nationwide. This is a big week, and the brutal truth is that the the Dow took a dip last week, only comparable to the Great Depression in the late 20s. This is is a big deal. There's a, a lot of uncertainty going on. And there's a lot of questions we have, like Zach said. There's a lot of decisions we have to make. And I encourage you to be praying with friends and family for wisdom to make the best decision that will, that will produce an outcome of really loving one another, of caring for your neighbors. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. question I want to begin with this morning is, why do we do what we do? We're in this series, Asking Why?, why do we do what we do? Why, why does the church uh, really work hard to go online this weekend and make certain that we're caring for uh, our families, our broader congregants, our community, our kids? Why do we do what we do? And just to come out of the box and tell you the why behind what we do what we do is because Jesus continues to deeply impact our world. He, he continues to impact our world, and he has impact our world, impacted our world. Let me, ask, let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, why San Francisco? Do you ever wonder, why, why did the founders of the city of San Francisco name that beautiful Bay Area San Francisco? Why San Francisco? Oh, I'll tell you, because there was a, an Italian monk who had tremendous compassion and tremendous influence. His name was San St. Francis of Assisi. And St. Francis of Assisi was greatly influenced by a first century rabbi named Jesus. And so the city founders named their city after St. Francis of Assisi, who was tremendously influenced by a first century rabbi named Jesus. That's why we do what we do. Let me ask, why San Jose? San Jose, one of the most influential communities on the planet, maybe the. And San Jose, why, why the name San Jose? Because there was a father who had a son whose name was Jesus. And that father's name was Yosef or Joseph. And so the city founders named their city after the father of this guy who changed the world. Why Sacramento? Why Sacramento? Why name the city Sacramento? Because there was this first century rabbi 
who celebrated a dinner in the last 18 hours of his life. And that dinner became so special. In fact, it was the the supper we just had a moment ago here that the founders of the city, our city of Sacramento, named our city after the meal that Jesus had with his disciples in the last few hours of his life. That meal is called the sacrament. And so we have Sacramento. Why do we do what we do? And and how much have we been influenced by this man? And the question I want to ask that John Ortberg asks so well in his book, Who is This Man? is that very question. Who is this man? Who who is this man? Because no matter no matter where you go, you can't help but see the marks of his influence throughout the globe. Tremendously influential. Who is this man? I'll tell you, this man started the most influential movement. He had an idea in the early late 20s, early 30s, that was completely new to the ancient world. And the idea was very egalitarian. The idea is that there would be no no race, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. This idea of total unity, this idea of total equality, this was completely foreign to the Roman world. This is, I think this idea is captured very well with this great Disney house, It's a Small World. They capture this idea. You know the song it's a, or the chorus, It's a Small World After All. In fact, I dug deep for uh, one of the verses. I thought it would be fun to sing together right in your home this morning. It's a small, small world. Uh, Here it is. This is one of the verses. It's a world of laughter. It's a world of tears. It's a world of hopes and a world of fears. There's so much that we share that it's time we're aware together loudly. It's a small world after all. So this idea of the world becoming smaller, this idea of the world having community because of our equality, that we're all image bearers. We've all been made in the image of God. We all have value. This idea was totally new to the first century, and it began a movement that we experience to this day. But the movement really developed significantly in the first three centuries, because in the first three centuries, there were two plagues that literally took out a third of the world population. Now, I don't share this because I'm a prophet on the virus and its effects, uh, the effects of COVID-19 right now. But what I want you to see is that in the, in the second century, the plague of Antonine uh, devastated five million people in the Roman world. And instead of running from this, the Christian community practiced disciplined quarantine, which they have, and they cared for, sometimes at the risk of their own lives, those who were suffering. Not only did that, 
plague devastate the Roman world, but also the plague of Cyprian in 249, 249 to 262. During those plagues, Christians isolated themselves, but under safe circumstances also cared for those that were suffering. And I just want to pause and say that this movement is, should, should inspire us to move and care for people, especially the elderly. I heard just uh, this morning that here at one of our local stores, man, the elderly were struggling to get their groceries and, and get around. You know they're struggling with anxiety right now, given their own vulnerability to uh, the virus. I encourage you to just practice the highest level of respect for those that are at risk, those 60 years or older. Highest level of respect. Continue the movement of putting others first while practicing safe Uh, distance. The question is, who is this man that started such a movement? Who is he? Jesus not only started a movement that continues to this day, uh, Jesus also changed how we think about history. At the end of the first century, some 60 years after Jesus was crucified, His best friend, John, wrote a prophecy about him, which is laughable. Here it is in John chapter 19, rather Revelation chapter 19. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is laughable. This is laughable during the time of the Caesars. No no one, uh, people would have laughed at this idea, especially given the fact that Jesus had been dead for 60 years. Well, it wasn't long until about the 8th century when literally the clock was set, reset, according to the birth of Jesus. And so no longer is time viewed as cyclical or hinged upon the reign, the tenure of a Caesar or a king. Time in the 8th century was adjusted, rather the 6th century was adjusted to hinge on where everything was in proportion, their beginning and end, in proportion to the year of our Lord, Anno Domini. Everything is now dated according to its relativity to the birth of Jesus Christ. Who is this man? Who is this man that now... We don't, we don't any longer uh, hail Caesar. Now we call our dogs Caesar and Nero. And, and now we name our children after some of Jesus' closest community, like Peter and Paul and Mary, a good song. Jesus not only changed how we view history. No longer do we view history as cyclical and tied to the reign of a Caesar. He was laughably prophesied to become the king of all kings. That means if you line them all up, Jesus supersedes all of them in influence. But now we have seen 2,000 years forward that Jesus has shaped how we express compassion. Jesus said something in the first century that was crazy. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to children such as these. I appreciate our 
a children's director, Annie Kay, and her whole Adventure Zone team making Orange available for kids. I hope they're having a great time right now, running around in their PJs, uh, dancing to the music. Maybe their parents are enjoying it with them. Children in the first century did not have the value that they do in our own uh, culture. And in fact, in the, in the first century, children were often left to, to exposure. Typically, girls were left to exposure because families found girls less desirable, less valuable than boys. And so in the first century alone, some four million children were left to exposure. The philosopher Seneca, who wrote in from 4 BC to AD 65, said this about children. In Rome, we drown children at birth when they are abnormal or weak. Christianity, its mark and its influence, did more to elevate the value of women and children and marriage than any movement ever has. Here we are 2,000 years later. We have the Young Men Christians Association. We have the Red Cross Association. Let me tell you, it's not just coincidental that the founders of the American Red Cross chose literally the cross to symbolize their compassion, having been derived from this man, Jesus. Jesus greatly affected how we express compassion in this world. Not that other faiths have not had significant impact on compassion, but Whenever it comes to taking care of the marginalized, whenever it comes to taking care of those who are left on the side of the road, Christianity has always stepped up to view all man as image bearers of God. Made in the image of God, everyone has value. Let's continue to love one another with that kind of standard. The question again is this, who is this man? Because no matter where you go, it's hard to escape him. Who is this man? But let me say that the deeper question is this. Who is this man to you? Who is this man to you? You know, it wasn't too many years ago. The end of uh, the millennium, 1999, December. Remember that month? That Time Magazine did a special issue on the most influential person of the century, but then the most influential person of the last two millennia. And they said, you know, it doesn't matter really if you're a person of faith or not. It doesn't matter. This is Time Magazine, not an overly conservative uh, magazine. They said it doesn't matter what you think. This dude has influenced the planet more than anyone. His movement, his, his having changed history, his compassion changed the planet more than anyone. Who is this man? But most importantly, who is this man to you? Now, no doubt you're thinking, wait a second. What about the Crusades? What about some of the awful things that we we read about, we've heard about in the last two centuries? What about the Inquisition? What about the the way people have managed their churches? Hey, I totally agree. We totally own that. Totally get that. But I think it's important to do this. 
it's important to distinguish between Jesus and his impact and the church's impact. Distinguish the two. Because Jesus continues to deeply impact our world. Who is this man to you? Who is he? Just a couple of years ago, I had the pleasure of being in Magdala, Sea of Galilee, Israel. And when I was in Magdala, I was just under this area, this cleft of the rock comes down to Magdala, where Jesus is traditionally known to have come down from Nazareth and uh, taught at the synagogue of Magdala and also at the synagogue of Capernaum where Peter lives. And when I was at Magdala, I was with my family and somebody said this, I don't even know who it was, but somebody just said to me, the son of God was here and it gave me the chills. I mean, I was like, what, what? The Son of God was here. So here we are, this very rural community. There's very little um, development, um, just some excavations. We're along the Sea of Galilee. It's fun. The wind's blowing. It was, it was a beautiful, actually not so beautiful day, but it, I didn't care. And somebody just uttered those words. The Son of God was here. And I just was like, that is, I didn't have anything to say. I just want to ask you, if, if you were God and you were going to send your son, and, and you sent your son and he changed the world, he created a movement, a very, a movement of equality that was, that was completely new to the first century. If you were God and you sent your son. And he would have such influence on how time was managed that they would that the world would change their dating system based on his birth. That kind of influence. And if you were God and you sent your son to show the new ways to express compassion. Compassion to every image bearer on the planet. you would expect folks would notice. You would expect folks would say, hey, who is this man and, and who is he to me? God's deepest act of compassion was when he loved you so much that he allowed his son to pay the price of redemption on a Roman cross. He allowed his son to pay the price of our sins, all our sins. We all have sin. Having sins kind of like being pregnant. You're not kind of pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. Have you taken that moment to accept God's greatest act of compassion? If you haven't, in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to. To accept Jesus Christ and make the decision that this man to me is God's son, the son of God. I'm going to believe in him. And during a season like this of uncertainty where a lot of decisions are being made, I'm going to put my trust in him. I'm going to exchange 
fear for faith, loving my neighbor. And that's really what I think is the real how of today's message. How are we going to join Jesus' movement of deeply impacting our world? How are we going to do it? And this is the how. We're going to love one another. Jesus said that by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Jesus' best friend, in his senior years, when they used to carry him in and out of the synagogue there in Ephesus, he would preach the sermon, and this was his sermon. It's the dream sermon. Brethren, love one another. And some of the church leaders would come up to him and say, hey, do you have another message, John? And John would say, is there any other message? That's our message. Love one another. Some of you are like, okay, how do I love one another? You tell me. I'll tell you. Start praying blessing for family, for friends, for coworkers, for supervisors. Begin each day with a prayer of blessing for them. Listen, really listen to people around you. And I, I think listening's hard right now. I don't know about you. I'm not a very good listener right now. I'm working on it. It's a tough season to be a good listener. Repeat back what others are saying instead of thinking about what you want to say. When you get a chance to eat with folks, show up and eat with them. With six inches, six feet between the two of you. When you get a chance to serve someone, serve them, help them. And sometimes the best way to serve people is, is to just give of your, of your own presence to somebody else. Just be there. That's sometimes the greatest act of love you could do. And then finally, we get an opportunity in the face of our fears as a country this time of year, today, to share our story of how we answered the question, who is this man? And we said, we're going to put our hope in Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to give you a chance right from where you're seated or laying down or trying to stay awake to pray with me and just kind of renew or recommit your faith in this man. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for our country. Thank you for our president. Thank you for our governor in the state of California. Thank you for our mayor in Sacramento, our own district council member. Lord, I pray you give them wisdom. Give wisdom to our superintendent of schools. Lord, give wisdom to family heads, to dads, to moms, that will lead our families in decision-making. And we'll take this season with the seriousness it deserves. God, help us figure out a way not to touch our faces and keep good distance from people because this virus is dangerous. And help us, more importantly, love one another. And if you're here and you've never made a decision to believe that this man is the Son of God, to make him the leader of your life and to accept his sacrifice for your sins, right from where you're seated, I invite you to just say, Jesus... I believe in you. I believe you are God's son. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're God's son. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to tell someone. 
it's a new beginning for you, a new life for you. I want to encourage you to come back next week. I hope that the quality of our presentation will be even better. And I own the fact that this is our first uh, episode of live streaming. So please bear with us as we will work to get better at this this week. And I want to tell you that next week, Dr. Gil Stiglitz will be here presenting. And we've just given him the opportunity to pastor our church. He's an incredible communicator and doctor. He'll be here next week. I hope you'll join us next week at 9 and 1030. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. And may the Lord give you the peace of Christ as you put your faith in this man, the Son of God. God bless you.